Y'a quelqu'un? You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Amour. Y'a quelqu'un? Maman? Tout à l'heure, quand je suis entrée, je me suis rappelé comment je vous écoutais toujours faire l'amour quand j'étais petite. Ça me donnait le sentiment que vous vous aimiez et qu'on resterait toujours ensemble. Tu ne vas quand même pas malmener ton image sur tes vieux jours. Je m'en garderai bien. Mais c'est quoi mon image Tu es un monstre parfois. Non mais dis-moi, qu'est-ce qu'il y a T'es devenu fou Assieds-toi. Non mais je veux pas m'asseoir Qu'est-ce qui se passe ici Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Amour, and the story is as follows. Retired music teachers George and Anne have spent their lives devoted to their careers and to each other. Their relationship faces its greatest challenge when Anne suffers a debilitating stroke. Though George himself suffers from the aches of old age, he bravely ignores his own discomfort to take care of his wife, and is determined to keep his promise to her that she never go back to the hospital. The film is starring... Jean-Louis Trintignant, Emmanuel Riva, Isabelle Huppert, and it is written and directed by Michael Haneke. Here to join me today for this 2012 retrospective podcast review, I have Evo Day. Bonjour tout le monde. Sarah Clements. Bonjour tout le monde. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> Two. Two. Dan Baer. Bonjour tout le monde. <laughs> I, 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 should I be speaking a different language for this? <laughs> and Tom O'Brien. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's good that we're starting off with some laughter here because this is a very, very heavy movie. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Lord. So, Amour is a movie that premiered at the 2012 Cannes Film Festival. And that's actually kind of part of the reason why we are reviewing it now. Uh, this year's uh, Cannes Film Festival is actually just kicking off this week, 10 years later. And this movie won the Palme d'Or. Um, it also gave him his greatest award season success, uh, being nominated for Best Picture, the film being nominated for Best Actress, Screenplay, Director, and also having appearances at other awards such as uh, the Cesar Awards, the uh, BAFTAs and so on and so forth. It was one of the most critically acclaimed films of 2012. And in a lot of ways, while its depiction of two elderly people uh, who are going through uh, really, really tough times and nearing the end uh, that we all at some point in our lives will eventually face, hopefully we all live very, very long lives uh, to get there. It is still a very honest and brutally so honest uh, film that captures something that I very rarely have seen other films really put to screen before in such a convincing way in a manner that just has such a profound impact on you. And so it's for that reason that since 2012, I've, I've never watched this movie again until now. This has only been my second time watching a more because it's not a movie that you <laughs> that you go, oh, it's a Sunday afternoon. Let me casually just put on a more. <laughs> Not that kind of movie. 
Uh, I am very interested, though, in talking about it with all of you, uh, because I do think that even outside of what's going on in the movie itself, I do think it also invites conversation about how we feel uh, about the way the characters go about the decisions they have to make in this movie. And also maybe if there's any real life experiences that we've had uh, with other members of our family or friends that have gone through similar situations. And I do think it's important to talk about these things as we confront our own mortality, if you will. So it's a very, very heavy movie. Uh, But with that said, I do want to get some general thoughts from some people here. And I believe, if I'm understanding this correctly, Eve, I think this was your first time viewing the movie recently. So tell me, what did you think of Amor? Oh, yeah. I did not watch this film when it came out because I was a little young. Um, So I don't think I would have cared for it very much. Uh, Since then, I've become very... uh, familiar with Hanukkah's work. I absolutely love The Piano Teacher. I think that's such a great film. That's so weird. That's so, and it's so wonderfully carried by Isabel Hubert's uh, central performance. I think Funny Games is uh, pretty great. It's very unusual and it's a very sort of uh, unique way of telling a home invasion story that I don't think any other filmmaker has ever really done in the same way since then. And Cachet also, which is just so uncomfortable and so brutal and so unflinching. And I kind of think that's the main word that I would use to describe all of Hanukkah's films and Amour is just completely unflinching. Even if in Amour, he's not necessarily presenting you with any gratuitous violence or brutality in the sort of violent sense. It's just he refuses to pull the camera away when people are getting uncomfortable. He refuses to gloss over the more ugly side of what he's presenting. And this film in particular just really (laughs) presents and is sort of criticizing the fact that we generally, uh, as a society, don't have a sort of comfortable relationship with death, even though it's the most, you know, the frankest thing in the world, of the um, except for the most guaranteed thing in the world, except for taxes. <laughs> and it's just, he's saying, isn't this so ridiculous that we all have to go through this? We've all seen other people go through this and we're still so unable, unable to deal with it on a personal level and on a familial level. So even though this isn't his, by uh, any means, his most, you know, violent sadomasochistic film, it is arguably his most difficult to watch i would say i do think it's very good so that's to say yeah i think that it being so difficult to watch is tied directly to what you're talking about here eve and that it is a movie that probably hits too close to home for so many people even if you have not gone through uh something like this whether it be um up close in person seeing maybe a grandparent or anyone else uh, go through a similar situation even if you haven't experienced it firsthand, to even just see it in such an uncompromising manner, the, the the mental preparation that the movie gives to its audience to make them aware and realize, hey, you may not have experienced this yet, but trust me, at some point, you will. And I agree with you that that is something that we are so reluctant as a society, as a species, to want to confront early on until... 
you know, most of us want to put it off and put it off and put it off and don't want to even think about it until the day eventually arrives. And I do think it is beneficial uh, in a way to, like I said, have these conversations, expose ourselves to these realities and hopefully be able to learn and prepare uh, from them. Sarah, we're going to go over to you now. What did you think of Amor? Um, so like Eve, um, this was the first time I'd watched it as well, because when it came out, I was just starting my first year of university, you know, future death <laughs> anyway. But um, movies like Amor That Tackle, you know, old age, always managed to terrify me more than even like the best most frightening horror films because they show our future as we've sort of been discussing. Um, and it's one that seems very bleak and where everything is out of control, but they're also um, films of the subject are also like really essential. I think cause like coming of age films, they accomplish similar things, you know, coming of age films make us reflect um, and perhaps come to accept things we experienced in our youth. Whereas films that deal with old age make us reflect and perhaps accept things that will happen to us in the future. And I think um, Emmanuel Riva's performance um, as a former pianist who basically loses all control of her body and mind is amazing and affecting. And at a certain point, you really feel like she's playing two different people in the film, you know, one being the whole person and another a kind of shell of her former self. And she shows how difficult getting older is. And the supporting cast is also incredible because they also show how difficult um, seeing their spouse and mother getting older is too. And, you know, as everyone's been saying, it's a tough watch, but I think um, it's one that sticks with you for sure. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Dan Baer. So I mean every single bit of this in a unbelievably pure way that I had sort of toyed with like joking about a little before I watched this again and then watching it again. I was like, no, that that actually is 100% accurate. Uh, this is the greatest love story of the 21st century. Bold words. Bold words. I know, but it is also a bold movie coupled with two bold performances. Frankly, <laughs> this movie affected me greatly 
the first time I saw it, it felt so real and raw in a way that most films are not. And watching it again, which is not something that I wanted to do ever, but, you know, I felt like I should. It, it just proved that it's so great, this movie. Do I get a little frustrated with it at points, with the deliberate pacing and the very like European art cinema aesthetic and the thing with the pigeon yes see now i actually thought that, that would be like up your alley the, which part the thing with the pigeon <laughs> <laughs> the pigeon is sort of like my maybe that was a bridge too far moment like not just because like you didn't need that it's just an extra layer of symbolism that like i get why you want to have it there but the rest of your story is telling us that already but other than that i mean these are two of the finest performances that have maybe ever been committed to film. And even though it is unbelievably bleak and depressing, it is also incredibly beautiful. And I don't think there is another movie that I could say that about. Tom O'Brien, we now come over to you. Well, Matt, like you, um, I hadn't seen it since uh, its release in 2012 uh, for the same reason. I can't think of popping it in for a fun night watching movies. But seeing it again this afternoon for the second time, it hit me much harder this time than it did the first time. You know, stop and think of those of us who saw it back then. Ten years have passed. Yeah. And we're all in different places now in our lives uh and the people whom we love and who are surrounding us have gotten 10 years older as well and i know now um uh, i i find there are people facing the same situation whom i know who i love um it even is happening to my next door neighbor right now oh wow it's enormously (sighs) difficult to see lovely, loving people uh, have to go through this. So when I see Isabel Huppert trying to get her parents into a nursing home, because that's really going to be the best thing for them, and they resist, I can see my friends trying to talk their parents into it, and almost to a person. It hasn't worked. They want to live and die in their homes. And um, seeing this couple go through much of the same, It is now kind of, I can only see a more through that lens now. And I'm never really going to quite see the film that I saw 10 years ago the same way again, because I see it all around me right now. Yeah, I definitely hear you in terms of how the difference of 10 years can change one's perspective of this movie. Uh, You know, 10 years ago, I was 22 years old and I will be completely honest with you all. Like the subject matter of this movie is so far removed from the mind of a 22 year old that like, I don't think I could even really fully appreciate it 10 years ago. Uh, Here I am now 32 years old 
And even though I've got oh, hopefully a long way to go until I, you know, experience the things that George and Anne are experiencing in this movie, uh, it definitely hit me a lot harder. And I have a greater appreciation for it uh, now than I did back then as well. So this is easily, I think, one of the best movies of 2012. I think that kind of goes without saying. And it's interesting because there have been other movies that have also explored uh, some of the themes that this movie is tackling and some of the subject matter and so on and so forth. But this is one that has truly broken through and resonated with people. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of it has to do with Hanukkah and also like where he was at like in his career uh, when this movie performed and the types of films that he had uh, given us before this. Uh, Eve, you were mentioning that earlier and how this in many ways felt like a bit of a departure, but at the same time, so is so fitting with his the rest of his filmography, and also too, <laughs> I don't know uh, if anyone else here could speak to this, but I know Dan, myself, and Tom, we all just saw uh, Gaspar Noé's uh, film Vortex recently, and he too, like Hanukkah, in a lot of ways, is a filmmaker who's very uncompromising, and this was a movie that, once again, very different than some of the other ones that he's. Uh, released beforehand but when you see it it does still feel like a Gaspar Noé film in a lot of ways <laughs> uh, however that movie did have some problems with it that I you know just from a comparison standpoint maybe also appreciate a more on this viewing so seeing like other filmmakers you know try to also tackle this uh, you know now I kind of like look at it more and I go yeah that's kind of the that's kind of the gold standard now you know, like the bar has been set <laughs> and all other filmmakers have to, you know, get, rise up to that level of quality if they want to present any of these uh, topics in their stories. Uh, with that said, there are a couple things I want to explore here, but maybe some of them are not so much directly aspects of the movie, but maybe just more so us having conversations as people, uh, as individuals here. I like I want to know. You know, Anne's reluctance to want to go into um, a hospice or a, a nursing home, that is something that obviously is a very personal like decision that uh, sometimes is rooted in pride, sometimes is also just a simple feeling of wanting to be in an, an environment that you feel protected in, you know, your own home. And I'm just curious uh, if that is something that you know, do you guys have like any thoughts on whether it's someone that you know that has gone through a similar situation or um, if it's something that you have even thought about, like, oh, if that was me, if I was like in Anne's, you know, uh, shoes, what would I decide to do in that like in that given situation? Asking tough questions today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, my grandma's in uh, like a. Uh, a lodge thing like they don't cook but they have their own sort of space but I don't think I think some people when they get old they just sort of accept that I can't do all this stuff on my own anymore and I have to go somewhere but I understand wanting the comfort of your home especially when you deteriorate as quickly as Anne does like it's really unexpected and I can understand that like wanting like going to like a hospice would be like such a big change. So I understand why she would want to stay um, in the comfort of her home with her husband. I feel like I would also want that as well for me because 
going into a new environment, especially when you're so elderly, is scary, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as much as it's about her reluctance to go to any sort of care facility, it's also about Georges' reluctance to let her go. Like, they've Mm -hmm. lived so many decades together, and he obviously wants to respect her wishes, but I think he also just wants to keep living with his wife for as long as he can, because the, I don't know, I think less about, the film is less about, like, your own personal aging scenario and more about you having to witness other people go through that. Yeah, and I think that's uh, also tying in with what Dan was saying earlier about this being, you know, the greatest love story ever told. I mean, it is called, <laughs> it is called Amour. Exactly. Big <laughs> title. <laughs> hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, this is a preview of our 2012 review of Amour here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full over hour and a half long review, you will have to head on over to our Patreon under Next Best Picture, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.